Yena, thank you for taking this time to do this podcast. I really appreciate it. I met you through a friend of mine, Danny, I mean Danny Howard, and he said you two have been friends for a long time. But I was really interested in meeting you. And being over here last night, I was, was it last night I was here? Yes, two nights ago. It was two nights ago. And I, that's the latest I've been up in a while. You see, you, you're the same way as me because you're working so hard, you can't tell what day is what day. <laughs> it was like Today's that. Saturday. Today Saturday. That was Friday night, wasn't it? Friday no, night. No, no, that was that was uh, no, Thursday. that was Thursday night. Thursday night, Thursday, Thursday night, night, yeah. Exactly. But it just seemed like because I just I know I don't stay up that late usually, but I went home and I was excited because it was so much fun talking to yeah, you. Yeah, we had a good time. That was really good. I really appreciated that. Yana, tell me, where were you born? Where I was born? Yeah, where were you in born? In Benin, West Africa. Benin. Most Benin. people don't know where Benin is. So where be, is most people will know the older generation will know Benin as Dahomey. It was the former name of Benin. Homie. Dahomey. 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 Okay. Yeah. So it's the the land of the voodoo. The that's voodoo. That's where voodoo comes from. So that's why the people in the Caribbean. So most of those people came from Benin, or exactly. that area. So so basically all all the culture that you will find out in Haiti, right. um, Dominican Republic, right. uh, Brazil, yes. and that part of the Caribbeans, right. all the culture related to voodoo comes from Benin. From Benin. From a, from a name Dahomey. Dahomey. Yeah. Wow. So that's where you. That's where your father's from. Exactly. That's where my father's from. Okay, okay. And your mother? My mother is French. So okay. she's from um, a region in French called Anjou. That's where they, they're famous for making rosé wine, mm-hmm, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but she's, she's mainly, she mainly lived in Paris, but that's where the family is originally from, in right. Anjou. So you lived in, in, in Benin the whole time? For how long? So I was born there, and uh, I left Benin around when I was 17. Uh, so I was going to the French school there, okay. uh, French International School, and so I went to France after when I was 17, when I had my uh, baccalauréat, the French mm-hmm. baccalauréat, mm-hmm. for, my, for my studies. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And what did you study? So I studied first um, statistics, computer science and econometrics, probability, and then uh, I studied econometrics, okay. and then I went to Montreal to study, Montreal, Canada. Uh, to study uh, political science. All right, so you're one of those brainy brothers. Listen, wait, <laughs> so, so, so tell me, what did your father do? So my father was uh, an engineer uh, agronomic in agronomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he studied speciality in sugar, so how to produce sugar, the, okay. ver- the different varieties of sugar. Everything exactly, yeah. yeah, that's that's why my father died. So he's a winemaker? Uh, non-winemaker, <laughs> no, I wish he was a winemaker, but uh, it was more um, the sugar, specialized from the sugar from the sugar cane. Okay. Uh, they had a huge project there in, in Benin back in the days mm-hmm. uh, that he was running, yeah. Okay, yeah. you have siblings? I have siblings, yeah, I okay. have siblings. Uh, yeah. I, have from, uh, I have one brother. Uh, and Older I was, or younger? One big brother, older. I'm, the, I'm the youngest one. How many? Oh, you have more than one brother? Yeah, I have more than one brother. I have uh, big sisters as well, okay. uh, some of them living in Germany. And one living in Benin. So how many? So there's four of you. No, total we are nine, uh, but we are only two from my mom. Okay, all right. So your father had nine children. Exactly. Okay, and your mother only had two. Exactly. It was you and your sister. Me, me and my big brother. You and your big brother. So yeah. how many years difference between you and your brother? Three years. 
Oh, three years. Yeah. Okay, are you guys pretty close now? Uh, actually, not. We're not really close. Uh, okay, well, that happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so in school, who do you think inspired you to study or, or be interested in the things you were interested in during your school age? So actually, um, we had this this thing going on at the French school. Every year, you had uh, all the parents of your friends coming in and, and introducing their career, what they were doing. And back in the days, I was either interested in, in a career in law because I had a very close relationship with my godfather and he was a lawyer. On, who on whose side? Your mother well, or father's side? Godfather on the father's side. So okay, it was okay. a Beninese um, coming from a big family of lawyers uh, in, in Benin and I was really interested in either going for law or being a pilot. Uh, unfortunately, um, I think I was not well um, advised on how to pursue this, this career and once I got my, um, my bachelor, my baccalaureate, uh, going to study in France, um, Basically, people gave me two options. It was like, okay, you keep going into sciences and mathematics, which was what you were good at. Mm -hmm. But for entering the best French schools and engineering schools, you really have to work more and more and more and study more. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to take it easy. So I chose the easy, easiest way for me, which was taking uh, um, economical sciences, mm -hmm. uh, economy mm -hmm. with a speciality in mathematics. And that would be easy for me. I, I wouldn't have to study too much and I could still have good grades. And that's the way I took it. Mm -hmm. I decided to... To go and and when I did that, the the career the end up the end career the end goal was to be an actuary, so basically it's statistics and probability in, in insurance. Okay. So all the statistical hypotheses and, and why people die and how they die mm -hmm. and how they, how do you transform okay. all these to be to sell life insurance for mm -hmm. example or mm -hmm. how to to yeah to project people's um, needs or right. a social issue and for example my thesis was on on breast cancer on the clinical tests of a certain certain medicines in, in breast mm -hmm, cancers. Mm -hmm. So this is what I studied. And then at some point I realized, well, it will take me seven, seven or eight years in France. It's, it's longer in France than in the US to become an actuary. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, I'll be doing all the statistics every day and every day. And this the big guy just will come and put a stamp and get all the, the big bucks. That's not what I want to do. Okay. So I switch. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. So I switched in the middle of the, of, of the career plan and, and I went to do political science. Mm -hmm. While doing political science in Canada, I was approached by a Golden Key Honor Society. That's a Honor Society. Okay. And from then on, they sent my resume to various administrations in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And I was offered an internship at the White House at the EPA, Environment Protection Agency. And I, I declined both. Uh, basically, the EPA, because I had no interest at that time in, okay. in what was the matters relating to EPA. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't know how big and how important the department was at okay. the time. And then the White House, for the simple reason that I knew that as a French, uh, high French Beninese, even though I had an internship at the White House, they wouldn't put me in a um, place in the White House where I could have access to um, uh, confidential cla um, mm -hmm. classified information. Mm -hmm. So for me, it would have been just an internship yeah, with the White House and that's it. that's it. So I knew what I wanted to do. I liked numbers. So from then on, I told them, well, what about an investment bank? And they sent my resume to Merrill Lynch okay. and a financial advisor there, wealth manager, saw my resume and, and offered me an internship in Washington, D.C. Oh, that's beautiful. That's, that's how I ended up, my first steps in finance, and, and I ended right. up liking it a lot. But tell me in school, okay, but tell me, let's go back to your school mm -hmm. days. When you grew up, growing up in school, what kind of sports were you into? What did you do in starting elementary and stuff? You have an older brother, so I'm sure he was kind of tough on you. Three he years was, older than you. He was tough, yeah. He was tough on me, very tough. Uh, but I, I, I guess that's what made me tougher as well. Uh, I, I wouldn't let him get away with it. Mm -hmm. But I was mainly into football, soccer, what okay. you guys call soccer, right. football. Um, yeah, um, because simply because my father had a soccer team. He had a soccer team. He, wait, he owned the soccer he team? He owned the soccer team. 
So it was playing for it was a commercial yeah. soccer team. Yeah, commercial soccer team. So okay. they were playing. Um, they had all the levels, all the grades from from five or six up to eighteen years old and, okay. and older. Mm-hmm. And so we were having games, national games there, and the, the national local tournament. Mm-hmm. So I was training in that team. I was trained there, and I was also in the the, the, the football team of the, the school as well. Okay. So that was my main thing. I was my idol was Maradona. Okay. And yeah, that's that's what I was doing. So I lo- I I did uh, many years of of football. Uh, then I ha- I started to have a clash with my father. Uh, oh, he was really okay. tough on me. Okay. Um, he wanted me to be the best, obviously. He taught me those skills, and I was um, I mean, according to what people would say, I was among the best playing the, right. the game at that time. Yeah. Um, but then I I've, I rebelled against an authority and what I was feeling as um too much pressure from my dad. Um, so, for example, I, I would train with him, and if I was missing a goal, got the bell on missing a goal during the during a match, mm-hmm. he would take me out and shout at me in front of everybody. So, um, really, yeah, and he would ask me to do 12, 12 rounds of the big stadium, and I was just a little kid. So, years and years on of that, I felt like, why, why my dad was treating me but wait, so? But bad? what about your brother? Uh, Where was he? he? He was he was there also, but he was not as good as me. So your father just ignored him. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's not that he ignored him; he was as hard. With him, but it's the fact that he was not as successful, uh, not him. as good, skill right. skill wise in the game. Well, he he was putting less pressure on him at the okay. end of the day. So he just really focused, yeah, focused on, on you me. and figured he's going to make you hard. Exactly. And then I was I was at some point about to go for um, a football school in in Brazil, uh, then another time in France. But then both of both I declined. Uh, both times you I, declined. I declined, and at the same time it was kind of a debate at home because my mom wanted me to keep. My, with my studies and not just drop for so my mom is a French white French woman mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that married a black African guy um, back in the days so um, and decided to live in Africa mm-hmm. she didn't decided to have us just there in Africa and go back to live in France does she still live in Africa she still live in Africa she's a, she's a your doctor father? there your father my father they still live together there in Africa they're, they're still married yeah they're still married oh, okay yeah, they're still married. I'm thinking about a different interview <laughs> yeah no no they're still married they live they're there oh, so my mom nice. my mom had this um, uh, this way of conception of life whereby uh, the kids needs their father so I, n- I need to le- let the father have his dad and son time so the, the trainings with my, my at my father's uh, football team was uh, like two times a week and I had another t- uh, training at the, at the school but for that times those afternoons it was like he can go all out on us she wouldn't say anything the only time she would intervene was when he would be um, how can I say culture wise um, a bit too uh, harsh. Mm-hmm. He needs treatment. But then I never had a resentment towards my dad. Towards right. you, how I, are you with him now? I'm, I'm pretty good with him. Uh, okay. Pretty good. We, we talk. We talk to each with other. With your mom? Uh, with my mom as well. Uh, we, I had a, a, a lapse of two years when I wasn't talking much with her due to personal reason and, and uh, yes, perfect personal reason. We can mm-hmm. talk about right. it later on. Right. But uh, I'm, I'm pretty good with them, mm-hmm. with both of them. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. good. That's good. Your brother you're not talking to? Yeah. <laughs> at, the, at the moment, yeah. Okay, I don't want to make that a big deal, but anything. I no, think. it's it's right. it's not a big deal. I'm not it's ashamed it about it. I think it's things right. happen. It, I'm I'm pretty harsh with myself in terms okay. of my values right. and how I treat people. Mm-hmm. I put a lot of effort every day on this, mm-hmm. and every day I wake up and I promise myself that I will treat people with respect. Mm-hmm. And when I see other people not being treated with respect, on or whether when I see injustice. I really don't don't feel good about it, and I try mm-hmm. to act up on that. Mm-hmm. And if it's on in my family, it's the same. So it's as harsh as I, I wouldn't have an issue 
fighting or not talking to my dad if he crosses certain lines that I have. I understand. And whether it's my dad, I owe him a lot of respect. I love him so much, but nobody's perfect. At some point, we, we cross the lines. And if you cross the lines and you know you cross the line, you just have to make it up mm-hmm. and discuss about it. And if you don't want and you keep doing what you want, well, that's, that's your call. Then I'd, I'd rather take a step back and, and, and avoid this kind of bad energy or vibrations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you went through your schooling. Your father wanted you to really be a great soccer player. Yeah. And then one day you stood up and said, guess what, Dad? Exactly. No, you did not. Yeah, I, I didn't do it that way. You but better not, because he would have broken your arm off. He, he understood <laughs> at that time, maybe, because what happened it was, uh, back in the days, it was in the 90s, I remember, uh, there was this friend, very famous African team from Cameroon mm-hmm. with Roger Mila. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. they were the big stars because they went to the World Cup and they shined at the World Cup. And they had a game against Argentina against, from Maradona and they had a, a nil uh, score or something like that. A draw, I think. And that team was coming to Benin. Okay. And through my father's connection, he organized a training with the superstars. And everything was lined up and everything. And I told my dad I would not show up. And he f- I, did, I didn't show up and I, I, I instead went to play with the, the regular uh, football team that I had in my school, which were second grade compared to them. And I just didn't show up. So my dad was mad, but he understood that from then on it, uh, it was that a was clear it. sign. Yeah, that was, that was it. it. Then, was, he's, then he let it go. Yeah, he let it go. He let me in. And, and, and from that on How me... How old were you when that happened? How old were you? Must have been maybe 11, 12. 12? See, your father loved you in a way that you didn't understand at that time. He saw so much of him in you. Yeah. He said, okay, I reset limit because he knew what he would be like. Yeah, probably. He probably did the same thing with his father. Probably, <laughs> probably. Because he, he didn't beat me at the time. He didn't even he, 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 respected, he respected yeah. you then. Yeah, Because you said, in spite of what you do to me, Dad, I'm not going. Exactly. And I know you're going to be mm-hmm. mad. Maybe yeah. also he was waiting to see if I would fail because on this, at the same time, I'll drop football to go into basketball. Okay. And so he was that. always telling me, well, you will see, you wouldn't be as good as you were playing football than basketball. Good First answer. of all, because of your size, right. you're not that tall and everything. So for me, it was another challenge to show him that I could also be good at basketball. And yeah. then, then I switched and I, and I went to basketball. Were you good? Uh, I was quite good for my position. I was okay. a point guard. Okay. Uh, I was quite good, yeah. I was in the team school. Uh, Did he come to watch? Uh, no. He never came to no. watch? No. Did your mother come to watch? Uh, my mother was also very busy. Uh, okay. she, she's a doctor. She said she's a doctor, okay. She's a generalist, generalist, general generalist but she has specialty in tropical diseases. Okay. So that's, that's why she's an African. She loves and she wants... That's oh, her passion. I got And um, so she was really, really, really busy. So I didn't expect them. I never felt bad not seeing my, my parents. Because you knew they were both They were both busy. Doing doing. I, I did some karate, for example, as well on the mm-hmm, side mm-hmm. Uh, for a couple of years. And they were coming at the, the official um, ceremonies that we had or contests that we had in karate. So they were showing up at, at in those what? Karate in, in Benin. Oh, karate? Sh- karate, Shotokan. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I studied Shotokan too. Yeah? I yeah, went I into blue, blue Belt. Blue Belt, yeah. Blue Belt, something like that, yeah. yeah. And then I, I wow. had yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they did come to that. Yeah. So they said if they could, if they could have, they would have. Yeah, they yeah, just I guess could, so. They yeah. just couldn't yeah. do it at the exactly. time you were doing it. Exactly, I think so. Okay, so you finished, okay, so through all your sports and everything else, you graduate. When was the first time you left Benin? Or were you doing that every year? I was, I, was, I was traveling back to France uh, every other year every to other see year. my family. So my grandparents, they were living yeah. in the south of France. Mm-hmm. So um, my original, my, my, my grandmother was one of the first female engineer at the French uh, National Railroad Company. And she let you know that? 
she let my mom know that but okay. she died earlier she had a breast cancer oh i'm sorry yeah and so you never got to meet i never got to meet her yeah. uh, but definitely from my mom I, I could tell that this this was the genes were there and from my grandfather's side he was um he was a judge at the highest court uh the equivalent of the supreme court you have in the u.s mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he he's the uh, the equivalent in there in france so um la cour de cassation is he uh, still alive? Uh, no, he's, he's, he passed. Did uh, you but, meet him? But I meet him. I used to go on vacation, on summer vacation, to spend time with him. Okay. So in the south of France, that was close to Aix-en-Provence. It's a, mm -hmm. Le Luc-en-Provence, it's a little village here in the south. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I used to do that every every other year. Yeah, right. Along with your brother? You and your brother? Uh, so I don't know if... No, most of the time without him. It was either one year it was him, the other year it was... Oh, okay, they didn't yeah. send both of you. Yeah, exactly. They okay. wouldn't send both of us. That, that's how we work. I don't know. I understand. Since, yeah. since a very young age. So maybe that, <laughs> that didn't help also for the connection too. Yeah, right, right. And so I was doing that every other year. And after the French baccalaureate, I left Benin when I was 17. Yeah, that's, that's the time. That's the first time. You, where did you leave to? Where? To go where? So I went to France. Okay. So I went to France. I went actually... Before going to France, I went to, to Japan. Um, it was my second time. At 17? Time. Yeah. But I, I, the first time I went to Japan was in at 14 or 15 for summer holiday to do what um so i had a friend back in the days in benin mm -hmm. who was half beninese half japanese japanese so his father was beninese his mother was japanese. japanese from from oita Kitaku. oitaku exactly Kit okay so he was he was my best friend and actually uh our grandfather's f uh father's side okay were best no i wouldn't say best friends but um so my my grandfather my, my granduncle uh father's side was the one of the former, former uh, first democratically elected president of Benin. Okay. And in his first government, the Ministry of Justice was the grandfather of this, this, this friend. Okay. So from so that generation, yeah, yeah, exactly. There. So we, we grew up like that. And you clicked together. On exactly. That, right so away. and and because of him, I started karate. I did all those things. So I was well, already then, in the Japanese. Did you, have, were you well, Let me ask you this. Just curious, because I'm sure it make a difference. Were your complexions almost the same too? Yeah. Very similar. Yeah, yeah. Compared to everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Completely. So you two stood out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So he was he was the same as me. He was very, very darker very than me, yeah, brownish but darker than me. Yeah. But he had uh, the same type of texture. No, actually, his hair were even more looking more like um, Indian hair. Okay. You see, so he had yeah. much more. Um, how can we say? Not curly, but um, they were more um, long and uh, long coarse. Yeah, exactly. Long coarse, coarse hair course, than yeah, mine. Yeah. Okay. So that's the reason why I went there one time in summer in 1997, the first time mm -hmm. in Japan in the countryside there in, right, in Aka, right. Oita. And then I, I went back two years, uh, two years after, or three years after, after my baccalaureate, mm -hmm. before going to France, because I wanted to do a summer job, get a bit of cash before going to France. Okay. And my, my, my parents wanted to teach me also the... To be independent. To be independent and, okay. and, and start to work on my own. And, right. and Japan money was quite good, mm -hmm. just for summer, it was a money tension. Um, mm -hmm. So working in a warehouse, mm -hmm. um, uh, emptying out trucks, putting uh, stuff in a, in a cold chamber mm -hmm. and, and all the food and dispatch all the food and then load all the trucks. That's what I did for two months. And, okay. and with that salary, I came to Tokyo, bought myself a couple of stuff and then went back to France for, to prepare my study life, my okay. student life. So, you, that was, so that was at age 17? Yeah. You yeah, yeah. So you, you went back when you were 18? So no, the first time was 14. 14. 14. That's then the I went back when I, when I was 17. Wait, wait, you did the work while you were 14? You are working then? No, the work I was did 17, was when I was 17. 17, 17. So, then you, so at that time, 17, you stayed for a year as well? Or did you stay longer? In Japan? In Japan. We, just summer. So oh, three months. Just summer. Okay, yeah. three months. Three, three months, months. Yeah. Okay, so then from there, where did you go? After the three months you went, Japan, you went to France. You I went, went to, to Paris. France to start my studies, yeah. Okay, and then you finished your studies? I finished in, in Montreal, in Canada. So, because it was, I did three years, three, a bit less than four years in France, okay. and then I went to Canada. To do what? To do the political science. Uh, when I switched, when I saw, like I was saying, I was doing statistics, 
right. and econometrics. That was right. the direction to be an actuary. And then when I decided that that's not what I want to do at the end of the day, that's when I stopped and I transferred to Concordia University in Montreal to do political science. To do what? Um, <laughs> because I liked it. I know, but what were we, we going to do with it? Because so you're not doing that right now. Exactly. But right. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good point you're making because when you're studying political science, mm -hmm. there's no clear cut way. I mean, yeah, you can go in diplomacy, you can go in that's what the people foreign exchange, you can, uh, right. for, uh, foreign affairs, mm -hmm. um, and so on, or NGOs and, and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But what is, what is important to know is that students of political science get to get a 360 degree view on how the world works. Uh -huh. So they actually develop a lot of interesting skills that can be applied in anything. Anything, if you know no, how to. No, uh, except for the technical skills like mathematics and so on, engineering, of course not. But for everything else, yet yeah. It applies. And, and for me, it was an add-on to my scientific background because I already had the mathematics um, and statistics background. So it was something that I really interested. And from my family background, it's really something that I was, uh, I've always been interested in politics. Okay? Mm -hmm. so. All right, so, then, so, then, so what happened once you finished and you got your baccalaureate? Degree, yes. and, and then, uh, then that's the internship in Merrill Lynch. Washington DC right. uh, internship for like a couple of months at that time it was the Bush year so they were making it hard for people to sponsor us visa uh, even though as a French it was complicated so I couldn't they wanted to offer me a position but they had to justify that yeah somebody in the US couldn't do the job and everything that's not possible I'm just an intern so anybody can do my job after that um, so I came back to Europe one thing I knew I didn't want to stay in France I didn't want to work in France Why? because in France I always felt that I could never achieve my full potential um, so I thought, I don't want to stay here, I don't know where to go, so uh, the sister of that friend that I mentioned, uh, Japanese friend, half mm -hmm. Japanese, mm -hmm. called me out and she was in Japan at the time, in Tokyo, somehow, and she told me, why don't you try Japan? And I oh, told, this was a girl? Yeah, it was the sister of my, my friend. Oh, sister of friend, okay, yeah. right, okay. And she was saying, why don't you try Japan? And because she, I talked to her like my sister, she's okay, my, right, she's right, my right. sister. And I was like, oh, Japan, I don't speak Japanese, it's so far, I know, I like Japan, it's, it's a great place, but... I wouldn't get a chance. If I don't have a chance in France, I don't see why I would get it. And she told me, well, don't look at things like that. There are people here that don't speak Japanese. Just try your luck. When she told me that, it was like, actually, she's right. So I went to the embassy, asked for a working holiday visa. I had a bit of cash on me and I took a flight and friends of the parents had an apartment here and in Keio, in Ashioji, somewhere like that. So I, I didn't have to pay money for rent or anything, so I could stay there. I said, okay, I'll try this out, and I'll try if I find an internship or something. And I came to Japan like that with nothing in my... Were like, you 23? I was, uh, so that was, the, yeah, something like that, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Okay. And then uh, arrived here, and I started to put my resume online, and was approached by a headhunter for a position in an investment bank here in Tokyo, a French investment bank. So, so that's how, for me, the position was like, oh, great, now I'm here. I didn't have a job. I was doing some training on Forex and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, there's possibility to have a job, a visa. Yeah, there you go. And, and, and then I ended up uh, kind of staying. Uh, and you, you, you've stayed since then? No, so I've, I've been since then in Asia. Uh, I haven't stayed all this time. This was around 2007. Okay. And I've been on and off between Tokyo, Hong Kong, Singapore, and at some point, a little hint in back in France and Benin and Ecuador, and now back in Japan. Over so what, what, what span are we talking about? We're talking about, about um, uh, 14 years. Over the past 14 years? Over, that's been 14, year. over the past 14 years. Where have you spent the most time in those areas? Tokyo. You spent more time in here? In Tokyo, yeah. So what would you say the total of time you've been here? Um, around six years. Of the whole, of of the whole, whole year. 14 years, yeah, six yeah, years yeah. you've been here. A good six, six, six seven, yeah. Wow. 
Wow. Uh, what do you like out of all the places you've been? What did I like? I mean, which, which areas do you feel yeah. the best about? Tokyo. Oh, you do? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Why? Why? It's, I have a special attachment to Japan um, from one reason. That's where I got my first real job, uh, first offer. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt that the country gave me everything, all the, everything, all the opportunities that I needed to, to succeed in my, in my life, uh, to succeed at least the way I was looking at it, and to grow professionally speaking. And despite the fact that the environment may seem harsh, uh, difficult if you're a foreigner, culturally speaking, uh, language speaking as well, um, uh, I felt comfortable somehow here mm -hmm. and um, for various, various reasons. And other countries have, have own, their own um, uh, advantages like Hong Kong or China, the fast pace, the economy, business and so on and the proximity in Asia-Pacific region where you can travel and discover all those different cultures, rich culture, mm -hmm. uh, it's a wealth of cultures and, and, and people uh, here in Asia. Uh, Japan has always been for me the base and the place where I've, I was always feeling the most comfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So even now, so you've been here, you've come back this time, how long have you been here since you've been back? Uh, two years. Two years mm -hmm. now? Mm -hmm. Okay. I've been back. And you're working with a big firm right now? And yeah. Okay, so what do you do in the firm? So, so I work for an investment bank. Okay. Um, so I, um, my skills are into risk management or financial risk. Okay. So that would be um, market-related uh, financial risk. Very similar to what you were doing with the mathematics. Exactly. When, when you did with the cancer and everything. The exactly. Same thing. So, but only now you're doing it with finance. You got the right connection. So that actually that's the reason exactly. why I got my job. I don't know how you could make the connection. No, I have to. It's I have to. That's the only, it, it was perfect for you. Well, yeah, I think I got lucky because I didn't study finance. I, I'm working in the heart of finance, but I didn't study finance. You just the, did it, right. the reason why I got this job is because of my statistical background right. and on the financial options and structured products that we have in the investment banking world. Um, basically, you, you need probability right, and right, probability exactly. loss to price that's, those products. So to, that's how you have I to. had the technical skills Perfect. for that. And uh, so that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, uh, my core skills are uh, managing uh, risk market risk, financial market right, right, risk right. for options, structured mm -hmm. products mm -hmm. that we call exotics in the, in the, in the industry. Right, right, right. And right now I'm actually, I moved on to the auditing part of those activities, mm -hmm. internal audit of that Is that going to be as much fun for you, you think? Um, it, is, uh, <laughs> it, is, it is fun because in the audit side, on the audit world, you get also another 360 view of the firm, how the, how the bank is run. That's right. Whereas when you're on risk management, you right. just manage the risk there. That's right. You don't know how treasure works. You, you, you don't, don't know how credit right. works. You're not, you don't know how liquidity works. You don't need works. to. You don't, you don't need, need to. to. You it's don't it's need not to. your business. You just tell us what the risk exactly. is. Exactly. Whereas here, <laughs> doing audit on different type of assignments and engagement, I now get to learn exactly. and, and understand the whole connection between all the departments. Right, exactly. And, and that's, that's why I learned. Right. So how long have you been doing that? The audit part. Are you just starting to? You haven't yet or you're doing that now? And I've been doing this for two years. Oh, two years. The audit part. Yeah. Wow. What do you see? What do you see in the future for yourself? What do you say, Yana? For yourself I, in the future, I, I cannot really say what I see in the future. Um, I think the beauty of it is to, I mean, my own experience. You have much more experience than me, and you've, you've interviewed a lot feel, of people. Not your feel. You you have you interviewed <laughs> all those successful people, I guess. Mm. And I think if for my little experience, um, you can have plans, but life's life's and karma always shows you that it doesn't work like that. And you get a phone slaps in your truth. face. Isn't that the truth? So, but how old are you now? What you're? Forty. I'm thirty-nine. Thank thirty-nine. 40, you're turning forty. Mm -hmm. Wow, you're getting close. You're getting up there. Thirty-nine, turning mm -hmm. forty. So you see, so you yeah, I was saying so. Future-wise, you plan everything, but something exactly. goes exactly. 
And so right. I, I, I never, while you can, on, on the process of it, you can set up yourself goals and objectives that you want to work on, which is great. Uh, I always keep a, a room there for destiny, mm -hmm. for life, for more than nature to do its own thing and trying to learn on how to cope with that and, and learn how to accept that. Even though sometimes it's not in my favor, even though it's not something, it's something that I didn't want to happen or was exactly the opposite of what I wanted. Uh, I'm actually right now in the phase of my life where I, by search events, certain events that, that occur, I have to accept it, mm -hmm. let it go mm -hmm. and start from scratch. And there's no other option, I guess. That shows a lot of maturity. Just for you to say that, and you're just turning 40. I mean, there's so many people like myself who had to wait until they lived on this planet for six decades before they started thinking and feeling that way. And actually, I should be honest, what I always say, usually I think when people say, I need to tell the truth or I need to be honest, it means they haven't been before. So <laughs> I've been honest all the way through. I, I would say in my 60s and in my later 60s, I started feeling what you seem to already have, that part about happenstance, things happening that you have no control about. Because up until my 60s, I've been trying to make it happen, forcing it, pushing it. Finally, when I'm not, it all starts to happen. And I'm going, it's so interesting. But, you have, but I think that's also very European. It's very African. Very African, yeah. I think yeah. that is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Because there's a certain amount where they allow destiny to be destiny. Yeah. And you have no control over it. You, you, you said it. I, I wouldn't have been saying it in a better way. There's um, ancient wisdom. Mm -hmm. and, and this is what I believe is my... Um, my, that's why I'm thankful and grateful for the education that both my parents gave me. Um, being brought up as a mixed uh, African-European, mm -hmm. for example, um, I know a lot of friends of mine that have identity issues um, from the very simple reason that when you're half black or when you're black, from a very early on age, you're portrayed in a, in a society, in the media, as uh, or in a, in a condescending way, downgrading you, people look down on you, um, and so your the image that you you refer you refer to and that you look up to is not necessarily um, a good image. At least what is portrayed in the media and, and all around the discussions in the history. But I was lucky enough from my father's side, the, the blackness, the African culture that he had was so ingrained. And they told me how to respect and be proud of that heritage. So it was not like, for example, the African-American community there that was out there in a world that's surrounded by different whites or Indians or felt like this is not my environment and, and getting, being ostracized from the very first moment that they step in that them. We were in our land. It's our continent. It's our place. And when you have that and... Basically, when you walk in the streets and you feel like there's 300 ancestors that are working beside you and you know their heritage, you know the story, you know they're about the kings and in your own family, they are very strong people, then you have role models and then you know where you come from. So when mm -hmm. somebody ignorant enough or doesn't, doesn't know how the world works comes and trying to put you down, well, you stand on the ground. And the fact that I had both of that in my house and seeing my, my, my parents still fighting because my, my mom is French and, my and, and French colonized Benin. So my father was always picking up at her for that. And all those fights I was seeing at home. But I, I could see both sides, understand both sides. And I think that's the wealth in me. And, and I think that's what helped me stand 
um, in the face of racism, in the face of everything that um, people from um, minorities, from uh, African-Americans or African people, uh, or sometimes Arabic people, and even in this world, uh, in Japan, sometimes Chinese people versus Japanese people, all those places where other people picking up at you because you're a minority or because you look different, I've, I've learned to stand on my ground and be proud of what I was because we are all unique at the end of the day. And if you understand that, that the beauty lies in the uniqueness of each one of us and you respect and you admire this, this, this beauty of nature, this miracle of nature, then you step your level above all the petty talks and, and racism and race and colors and everything that doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. And you feel, you feel better. So you feel yeah. good about that. That is fantastic. I'm gonna let you end with that. That is just summed it up. Thank you so much for your thank time. You. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Lance. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. I wanna thank all of you for watching this podcast. Make sure you remember that it's all on loan. Continue to reach for the stars and you're too blessed to be stressed.